Heavenly Father, I do want to thank you, God, for this day again before we begin. And Lord, I know that as we've done this today and we've celebrated this uh, tradition that's been handed down to us for, for centuries, Lord, we want to celebrate and remember what you did for us. Lord, we're here today because of what you've done for us, not because of what we've done. I ask, though, Lord, that you would uh, pour your spirit out in this building this morning. Lord, as I look to your word and, and, and preach and teach, Lord, I pray that you'd let it be your truth alone that is shared, and not my thoughts or, or my own ideas, Lord, but I pray that it truly be truth from you. I pray that you'd be with each heart in this room, Lord. I pray that your spirit would deliver the truth to the heart so the people might hear it today. <clears throat> Lord, whether they've heard it a hundred times or for the first time, God, I ask that they would hear your truth. Lord, become a follower of Jesus or continue following you. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, as you guys know, for those of you who have been here for a while, we've been in the book of Ephesians for a long time, and that's where we're going to be today, Ephesians chapter 6. We're getting close to the end. Uh, while you're turning there to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be in verse 10. While you're turning there, i got a few questions for you to get you started this morning, get you thinking. Um, let me ask you a first question. Do you ever struggle with what you might call spiritual defeat? You ever struggle with that? You feel spiritually defeated? Um, maybe. And this is the way I've struggled sometimes. Maybe you, you, you look at where you're at and you, you're not that spiritual giant you thought you were going to be at one time. Maybe when you first heard about Jesus, you were gung-ho. You were on fire for Jesus. I mean, you just loved the truth of of Scripture, and you're like, oh, I love Jesus, and you just, you just, but, but after maybe one too many tumbles along the way, you're kind of like, right, it's just not panned out maybe the way you thought it was going to be, and now you just kind of feel stuck in this, not really progressing. Maybe it's not that way. Maybe you've struggled in your life with consistency spiritually. Maybe it's church, maybe it's prayer life. Uh, maybe it's Bible reading. You've just never been quite consistent with it. In fact, we're a small church, so we can say maybe some of you are here today because of that exact reason. You haven't been consistent. It's not that you didn't know that God wanted you to go to church. You knew that, but it's, it's tough, right? It's tough. It's tough to get up and, and be here and be involved and be a part of what, what church is all about. And, and there, there could be a lot of reasons for that, but maybe you've just struggled in your life with consistency. I mean, you love the things of God, I mean, you can't, many people look out and they look at the world and they go, man, I, I can tell God created all this. It's beautiful. And you love what God has done and you're thankful to him and you, you think those things. But just to be spiritually consistent with prayer or Bible reading or uh, following after him, there's just ways that you felt, I just can't. And it just kind of, you look back over your life and it just seems like a roller coaster of ups and downs, spiritually speaking. Right? You've, there's been times when you're trusting him. And then there's times where you, you just you're in, in all despair because you, you just don't feel like you can trust him at all. You've been here and there. Maybe, maybe it's different than that. Maybe it's a little bit more of a standoff spiritually. Okay, let, let me explain what I mean. Uh, when I was a kid, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I wasn't any good at sports. I, tr- I tried, I played. I wasn't very good at it though. Uh, I can remember uh, uh, playing for the Legion, playing baseball, and I was on the C League for three years in a row. They usually do two, and they move on. No, not me. I was there, and I was a small kid, so nobody knew the difference. But 
I can remember being out there, and and my motivation when I was playing baseball was not, oh man, I hope I can catch that you know flying, say like when somebody come up to bat. I was just sitting there thinking, please don't hit it to me. Please don't hit it to me. <laughs> anybody, am I alone? Like anybody else ever like that? You know, I, I, can't, I when, when I was in junior high playing basketball, I was. I loved going on the trips. I loved being there, and, and my, my son is redeeming my name a little bit. He gets he played. He's already played way more than I ever have. And and, uh, and I, I'm gonna tell you right now. I, but I would get out there, junior high basketball, and I, I would sit. The, I only played like the last minute, you know. But uh, they'd put me in, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I hope they don't pass me the ball, <laughs> right? And if they did, I'm just thinking I don't want to lose it, you know. I mean, I just don't want somebody to grab it out of my hands or something. I just want to not blow it big time, right? Maybe some of us are like that, spiritually speaking. I mean, we want to be in the game because we know at the end of the game it's a championship and we get to go to heaven and all those things, right? I mean, we want to be in the game. It's not like we don't want to be in the game, but to, to really, I mean, I, I, I'm just happy if I haven't blown it. And I was like that when I played sports. I, if I got out of the game and I just hadn't done anything really dumb, I felt pretty good. Like, I'd had a pretty good game. Like, I didn't lose the ball 500 times. I, that was good. You know, I didn't, you know, go to catch the ball and miss and hit me in the face. You know, I did pretty good today. Uh, but some of us are like that spiritually. I mean, we just, you know, I want to be in the game, but to just be all out there. I mean, our motivation through the week is not, what can I do for God? You know, it's, you know, because I know there's kids that would play baseball, and they're, they're thinking, oh, I hope they hit it to me because I want to do the, the, the save. Or, you know, in the basketball game, give it to me so I can make the last-minute shot. I mean, there's kids that are thinking that way, right? But some of us, spiritually speaking, we're kind of like that. We're like, you know, I, I don't, you know. We felt good if we made it through our last week and we didn't, okay, I didn't kill anybody. Right? Nobody was murdered, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I haven't spent my whole week partying. I actually made it to work this week. I'm feeling pretty good. Right? But here's the thing. Somewhere I think that you know that being a Christian isn't about just not doing bad stuff. Right? It's more than just not doing the really bad stuff. In fact, being a Christian is really not about what you're doing anyway. It's about what Jesus has done. And so Christians are following after Jesus, not because they think, hey, I, I got to make sure I do enough stuff. That way God will be pleased with me. They're just simply saying, God's done it all. He's pleased with me because of Jesus. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I just love him. I, I just want to serve him with my life. I just want to give him my life. And I just want to follow after him. And that's the gospel message. That's what we believe as Christians. We're, we're not doing good things. We're not going to church because we think God's going to say, oh, wow, hey, they've made it to church again. Good job. I'm really pleased with you now. It's not, that's not what it's about. We're coming here because we just want to learn better. How can we learn about Jesus? Because I want to serve him and follow him. But the fact of the matter is, even if you know that, this life through the week still feels a bit like a battle, doesn't it? And some of us, we might feel like it's a losing battle sometimes, spiritually speaking. But I know, it's not that I don't know. I know I'm supposed to do these things. I know I'm supposed to, but I just can't seem to get there. I might have a success here, but then it ends in failure so often. I, I, I make these dedications, and maybe you've been doing it for years. Maybe you can even remember back to being, going to Bible camp or something and throwing the stick in the fire. I'll never do this again. And, you know, by the, you know, a week after being at home, you were doing the same things you were doing before. The willpower wasn't there. You couldn't do it. It's a battle. You know, the truth is, Scripture talks about it as a battle. Paul tells Timothy, near the end of his ministry, he says, now, here's an older pastor talking to a younger pastor, and he says, he says, you know, at the end of his ministry, he says, I fought the good fight. Right? He's talking about living the Christian life, and he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the, the course, or I finished the race, I've kept the faith. 
Earlier in that same book, he tells Timothy, he says, he's telling Timothy, he says, share in this in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. He's talking, he's talking about the Christian life. He's talking about being like a soldier for Christ. There's a battle mentality involved. I like this one. In the earlier letter he wrote to Timothy, he tells him this. He says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. The Christian life. Spreading the gospel and sharing. He's just, and I, you know, even if I didn't have these scriptures up here, I, I think most of us would understand what Paul's talking about. It feels like a battle. It feels like there's, and sometimes it feels like everything's working against you to do the things that God wants you to do. You ever had, maybe even like this morning, you were trying to get here and it's like everything is going against you to get here. Anybody ever have Sundays like that? It's like, I know I want to go, but this and, oh, this and, ah. Oh. All right, next week, I'll go next week. It's not that you don't know. That's not the issue. It's not a lack of knowledge. You're just sitting there, man, it just, it feels like the world is, is it turned against me to do the things that God wants me to do. Or how about this passage here? Uh, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Right? Take hold of the eternal life uh, to which you were called and, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's still talking to Timothy. Or how about this passage where he's, he's talking to a church in, in, in Corinth and he says, For though we walk in the flesh, physically, we're physical people, we're walking in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. But here you see over and over again, and I, I'm just scratching the surface. Over and over again, throughout the Bible, the Christian life, the Christian walk, is many times, again and again, portrayed as this battle. But like I said, I don't think I have to convince you of that. Many of you have known some of those battles. Maybe it was with something different. Maybe you're just struggling with anger. And it seems like anger has the upper hand all the time. You're like, I know I'm not, but the anger is there. Maybe it's Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's things that you don't even look at as sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a lack of evangelism. I mean, we're here to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're not here just to be good people. We're here to tell people about who Jesus is. And, and oh, I haven't done that ever. There's, there's things we might be missing along the way in it, but it feels like such a battle. But I want you to know what I'm going to tell you, and I think you may know I'm headed this way already. I want you to know it doesn't have to be a losing battle. It doesn't have to be a losing battle. I know that we're humans. I think we all are. Yeah. We're weak in the flesh, but that doesn't mean that we have to lose to the cosmic powers of Satan. Right? We don't even have to lose to our own weakness. I want you to listen to this last passage of Ephesians um, that we're going to dig into. Just listen to how it starts. This is the very end of the book. Paul says this. He says, finally, after he said all these things, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle uh, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. 
See that warfare language coming through again? I want you to be strong. So let's, let's take this down. In fact, all we're going to look at today, we're just going to look at that first verse uh, of that section. So let's start off here with finally. And I hope that those of you that have been here for a while, when you see that word finally, you're not thinking, finally, we're going to be done with Ephesians. <laughs> no, that's, and that's not what Paul meant either. Paul is saying, finally, in other words, he's, he's saying, I'm going to introduce, here's my last thoughts, right? So I've told you all these things. Finally, right at the very end, this is what we're going to talk about. When we started Ephesians, Paul opened with this big view of God. Who is God? What is he like? What has he done? And then right about halfway through the book, he shifted gears and started talking about what, what does that mean for you? If you really believe these things about God, what, what should you be doing? But the truth is that when you hear a lot of, in fact, a lot of times when you go to church, this is what you hear. You need to do this. 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 And, when you, and the Bible has some of those things. You do this. And there's lots of commands in there. But sometimes when you hear a lot of that, it gets to be overwhelming because you feel like, I can't do all that stuff. Right? I can't do all that stuff. That's, it gets to be overwhelming. And so this is why Paul's coming back to the very end. He's saying, finally, to, to wrap things up, he's going to go back to what is God's role? How does he play a part in you doing what he has called you to do? All these things that he's called you to do. Let's go back to who God is about how he wants you to do these things. So he gets to the end. He says, finally, here's what we're going to do. So he says, finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So the final thing he has for you here is to be strong. That's a weird command if you think about it, isn't it? Be strong. I mean, can you walk up to somebody and say, hey, I want you to be strong right now. Okay? (laughs) That that takes work, doesn't it? Normally, I mean, to get strong, it takes work to do that. But here Paul's saying it like it's a command. In fact, some versions put it this way. They put become strong or becoming strong. And and that's exactly how that word could be translated. It's, it's, It's not just be strong. It's become this, turn into this, be a strong person. How can you do that? I think the key there to understanding spiritual strength in the Bible is this. I'm going to put a sentence up here for you. I'm going to read it twice because I don't want you to miss this. The key to understanding true spiritual strength in the Bible is to understand that it has absolutely nothing to do with your strengths as a person. It's going to be a little bit different than maybe what you've learned in your life. So I'm going to read it again. I want you to think about it. Don't just accept it right away. I want to go to Scripture and see if this is what it teaches. Don't take my word for it. Let's see what the Scripture says, but listen to it again. The key to understanding true spiritual strength in the Bible is to understand that it has absolutely nothing to do with your strengths as a person. Now, we, we sort of know this already. I mean, how often have we seen men who seem like pillars of strength crumble? Ever seen that happen? Even in, you know, day-to-day news? You can't read the Bible without seeing that happen. What's also amazing is you can't read the Bible without seeing God using these nobodies to accomplish great things. In fact, if you think about it, isn't that what most of the situations are in Scripture? Is God is not picking these people that you're really good at this, I'm going to use you? Don't you see maybe the opposite end of the spectrum? God saying, I'm going to use you in this. And in fact, a lot of them, they're so, I love, for example, Moses. I love Moses. He, God said, I'm going to use, Moses, like, uh, no, I think you got the wrong guy. 
No, I'm going to have, well, I can't. And then Moses started going through all the reasons why God's got the wrong guy. Can you imagine arguing with God about that? I, I think we probably do that, actually. But that's what Moses did. Well, I can't even talk very well. I mean, I always wonder if he actually stumbled more over his words on purpose just to try to put, Lord, I can't talk. You, you know, but yet you see him. God says, fine, I'll let Aaron do the talking for you. But, but then you actually see him, as you follow the story of Moses, you see him being a great speaker, God using him in amazing ways. The key there is that the strength, the power, the ability is not yours. It's whose? his because what's he say be strong in the lord right be strong in the lord completely in him what's he say next in in the strength of his might those both those words there he's using he says be strong then he's strengthened there's three different words he uses for strength and they're all different words that emphasize different aspects of power ability uh, uh, to accomplish, to get things done, be strong in the Lord and strength in the, the power of His might, His His ability to accomplish anything that needs to get done. Be strong in Him. We know earlier in Ephesians that that, that we have all of His strength already. Paul prays this in Ephesians chapter one. He says, and, and, and Paul he just uses lots of adjectives to describe God's power. I always wonder, I, I don't know if they had erasers, but I wonder how many times he had to go back and, no, wait, I need to throw another word in here. He says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to, what's it according to? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Do you know what Paul's saying right here? He's saying that the same power that was exerted to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus, dead, physically dead, cells decomposing, right? Dead. The power that's exerted, not just to raise him up from the dead, but then to seat him above everybody. Paul says, that's the power that's at work in you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? I mean, just the raising from the dead part's pretty powerful. We can't do that. Think of all the cells that would have had to have reconstituted themselves, right? Breath began, you know, just that one moment when Christ was, he was dead, the body was decomposing, and then he's alive. That's power. And Paul says, that, that's why he calls it the immeasurable greatness of his power. Yeah, I, I can't measure that kind of power. How do you measure that? What, what kind of meter would you put on the power that would bring him back from the dead and seat him at the right hand of the Father? But Paul says, that power is at work in you. Listen to what he says next. Uh, Seated him in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This great power that's worked in Christ. To you. It's working in you. God doesn't hold that power back. He says, I'm going to work this power in you. This is why Paul, the apostle... I think of Paul, I think, you know, amazing guy. But Paul, when he's struggling with a weakness in his life, and we're not for sure what it is, he says this. Now, now listen to these words. Think about what I said. The key to understanding true biblical strength, true spiritual strength according to the Bible, is knowing that it has nothing to do with your strengths as a person. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, but he said to me, and this is after Paul said, 
Lord, relieve me of this weakness. Relieve me of this thorn in the flesh. He calls it a messenger of Satan. And he describes it as a weakness in this, this part. He says, uh, he says, but he said to me, this is God speaking to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for, for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, therefore, because of this, I mean, you can almost see Paul getting excited about this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And then he says this famous line you've probably heard. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. See, it's not about... God doesn't operate, see, God doesn't operate the way we do. It wasn't Paul's strengths as a person that made him a powerful tool for the Lord. It was just God. Paul recognized, I, I, I got nothing. I'm weak. I think that playing on a person's strengths can be good. But I need you to understand today that ultimately, that's not where true spiritual strength comes from. Our strengths need to come from the Lord. It's about relying on Him. In Isaiah chapter 40, uh, Isaiah writes, He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. That's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? You see these kids in children's church, man, they just go, 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 right? They're like the Energizer Bunny. But even youth will faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You must rely on the Lord to do what he's got you to do. Now, if I would have stood back at the back when everybody was coming in this morning, and I would have asked you the question when you came in, do you think people need to rely on the Lord? I think pretty much everybody in this room would have said, well, yeah. I don't think I'm telling you something here that you don't know, but the thing is, what does that look like to rely on the Lord? What does it actually look like on a day-to-day basis to say, I'm relying on God? What does it mean to rely on the Lord? Well, here, I'm going to give you some examples here. First of all, I think it means that every morning you reset your reliance on God every day. Now, what this looks like for me is that every morning I get up and I go, I need you, I need you to make it through this day, God. I'm not going to make it. I start thinking about all the things I got to do. And I don't I'm, I need to trust in you today for this day. I'm, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do anything, in fact, I, I, I get all out and I say, if I'm going to get anything good accomplished, if I get to the end of this day and I can look back and say anything good happened, it's going to have to be you today because I don't got it. And so every day resetting yourself, and I think even multiple times during the day as you're going through the day, no, I'm trusting in you, Lord. No, Because it's easy to start off the morning like that sometimes, but within 10 minutes you start relying on your own strength and start thinking, oh, I can, I can deal with this myself. You know, but putting that reliance back on him. But this doesn't answer the question very well still. What does it look like to rely on him? And, okay, this is one part of it, saying... Okay, I got that. I can do that. Praying. Yes, Lord, I want to rely on you. Help me to rely on you. Praying, those kinds of things. So I want to give you a second here. Live your life based on principles and callings. Now, I'll explain this in a second. Instead of your strengths and your feelings, how you feel. 
See, there's two ways you can live your life. You can live your life based on principles, like you know what's right. See, God has revealed to you what's the right thing to do. Okay, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to make my decisions based on what's right and, and, and what maybe God has called me to do. Now, that's a, that can be a tough one sometimes if you're like, I don't well, how do I know what God's coming? We can deal with that at some different point, right? But right now, let's say there's some things that you know God wants you to do. See, it's easy to talk about, well, what does it mean to call, be called to do something? But there, frankly, there's some things that you know. Okay, forget all those things you don't know about. What do you know God has called you to do? Live your life based on what God has called you to do the things that he's revealed to you to do, instead of your strengths and your feelings, how you feel about it. In other words, you might think something like this. I'm not good at praying. Just not good at it. That's awesome. That's perfect. You're not good at praying. You are exactly the kind of person that God, God is looking for to be a person of prayer. See, God, God doesn't manifest himself in people that have those strengths. He manifests himself in our weaknesses. Well, I'm just not good. If, you're not, if you don't feel like you're good at praying, then you better start praying. I'm telling you right now. Because you're not relying on yourself. That's perfect. You've got the perfect setup. Don't you? You're not sitting there thinking, I'm good at this. I'm going to do it. You're thinking, I can't do this at all. Let's do it anyway. It's the perfect setup. This is exactly what God says he does. He says, I choose the weak things of the world to confound the wise. How about this one? Not good at sharing the gospel? I know a lot of people say that. I'm just not good at knowing how to start the conversation, how to know what to say, and, and how to... That's wonderful. You're not good at it, and you know that you're not good at it. That is That is wonderful. You are weak at sharing the gospel... That is the exact thing that God wants to see in you so that he might use you to share the gospel. Like, I don't know about this, Matt. I mean, don't we need to look at what we're good at and kind of go with that? Listen to what what he says here. Paul says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise. How would you like me getting up here saying that today? I said it to my Sunday school class this morning. I said I get excited sometimes because I look out at the church and I know I'm going to hurt some of your feelings. I hurt their feelings this morning. But when I get up here and I look out at all of you, I do not look out and think, these are the greatest people of Danville. Did that hurt your feelings? What's neat is that I look back when I, when I, three years ago when I first came here, I, I was praying, Lord, just, just bring the people that you want, bring exactly who you want to be here. I want to see what church can look like done your way. I want to see that. And so, now, these are not my words. This is somebody else in Sunday school. Somebody else in Sunday school described it as God was scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'm sorry that they said that about you. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm excited about that. I I mean, what, what would a church look like full of the riffraff, me included. I, I, I just, I think how, I, sometimes I stand up here, I'm like, how did I get in this situation? What am I doing? Listen to, listen to Paul, he says this to this church, he says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not. I mean, what does that mean? Even the things that are you're a nothing. Even things that are not, to do what? To bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, there's a reason for what God is doing. When God says, I'm choosing the weak things of the world, his purpose behind that is so that nobody can get up and say, we're doing good because we're awesome. No. And what a great setup. If we can come here each and every week saying, I don't, I, you know, I don't have anything, you know, sharing the gospel. I'm not really good at that. You know, praying, I'm not really good at that. I mean, God, fill this church with people that can't do anything. That would be great. <laughs> have no strengths of their, of their own. That would be wonderful church to have, wouldn't it? A church full of people that say, I got nothing. But I'm going to do things anyway. That's where the strength and the power are at. When you say, I got nothing, but I'm going to do it anyway. You see that? Not good at teaching a Sunday school class? That's wonderful. That is so wonderful that we don't have anybody in here that's good to teach in Sunday school because we need some Sunday school teachers. I'm so glad that nobody in here is good at teaching kids Sunday school classes because we need Sunday school teachers. It's the perfect setup. I don't want a bunch of people that are just wonderful at teaching Sunday school. I, I, I'm starting to think like God thinks. I want some people that go, I don't know anything. I don't even know if I like kids. <laughs> Maybe God could use me to do this, to help in this way. We don't want to play on your strengths. We want to, we want to, we want to see things how God sees it. We want to play on your, your weaknesses. I don't want you to come in here thinking, well, what am I good at? Maybe I can do... No, no, no. Listen to Paul again. Paul, now this time, talking about himself. Now, I think Paul the Apostle, I think... In my mind, I think if I listen to Paul preach, I'd just be like, Right? But listen to how Paul describes himself going to the, the church in Corinth. He says, when I came to you, brothers... And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now listen to this. And I was with you in weakness and, this is Paul, and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but, but instead, they were in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what we want to see. That's what you want to see up here. You don't, you want, you don't want a guy to come up here and preach to you that he's got all the right words to say. You just want get him, get Matt out of the way, Lord. We just want to hear from you. Can you use this guy? I think you can. Yeah, yeah, he's Matt. Yeah, okay, he's, he's a bum. But I think you can use him. To speak to me today from your word. Use him today to, to speak. And see, then we can start to hear the Spirit coming through in power when it's not done in our strengths, but instead in our weaknesses. <clears throat> oh, I skipped that last one. He ends that statement by saying this. 
so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but instead in the power of God. What a great way to have a church, isn't it? A church just comes together and says, we're trusting in God to do something today. We're not thinking that anybody in this building has got it all together so that we're depending on them. No, we're trusting in God to provide for us today what we need to hear and do and say. I think that maybe some of you are sitting on the sidelines. And some of you think it's because you're not really that good at anything. I get it. I cannot tell you how often I think to myself, I can't do this. There's no way I can't do this at all. What am I? What was I thinking getting into this? So, you ever have those moments where you're right in the middle of something thinking, how did I get in the middle of this? All the time I think, what in the world, Lord? I want to encourage you to be willing. Get ready for this. Okay, I want you to encourage. I want to encourage you to be willing to say, "I'm willing to do great things for God, not because I'm great, but because He is." I'm willing to go out on a limb and try to do great things for God, not because it's my strength, but because I know it's my weakness, and I believe what Scripture says about how God works—that God does not look at our strengths. To decide how he's going to use us. He instead looks at our weaknesses. And you can begin today, this week, in that power, knowing that I mean, this is liberating. You don't have to be a person that has it all together. You can step out into this week saying, all right, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, not because I think I'm good at it, but because I, I, I'm going I'm to let it all ride on him. I'm going to trust him in this. I know what he says. Most of you, that's not the issue. It's not that you don't know what God wants. You know what God wants. That's not the problem. You know what he wants. Some of us are waiting around to feel like doing what God wants. No, 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 no. That's probably not going to happen. You do what God calls you to do because he's God. You're not. And you believe that you have the power and ability to do it because of what Christ did on the cross for you. Knowing that that same power can now work in you. I want to encourage you to do it this week. Begin to say, okay, God, what do you what do you got for me? There's no limit. There's no limit on what God could do in and through you. He's all powerful. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, uh, of of all the things that I, I have the opportunity to talk about, Lord, this one gets me excited more than anything else. To think, Lord, that you can use us is exciting to me. I'm so thankful for it, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm banking everything on that, Lord. I'm, I'm banking everything on the fact that you use who you want to use, not based on their strengths. Lord, I pray that you would be with those in this room right now that are, they know, Lord, Lord, it's not a confusion. They know what you want them to do. They, you've been working on their hearts for a long time to, to, to work in this area or to be better at this or to, to, to grow in this way or to be more consistent in this area. Lord, to, to, to be more faithful to what you have for them. Lord, they, they, they know that. That wasn't ever the issue of not knowing. 
but that they've lived in spiritual defeat for too long. And Satan has them convinced that they can't be strong. Oh, he's right. But Lord, you're giving us your power. And so we know that we can step out and do what you want us to do because of the great power of God and not because of us. Help us this week to do that. I pray that this church will be a church that is full of your power, not full of a bunch of people that have have it all together, but full of people that, that simply know that their faith, their trust, their hope is in Jesus Christ. They've got all their eggs in one basket, trusting Him. Then help us, Lord, to do great things for you in pure faith. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.